This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. is no credentials required covering sports around the mighty 518 part of the belly up sports podcast network in association with godzilla media here is your host ryan mccarthy hello everyone and welcome to episode 42 of no credentials required we are brought to you by belly up sports in association with godzilla media I just want to first remind you to like, share, and subscribe on all of our podcast platforms. That includes Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podchaser. And a review would also be very, very nice. On the YouTube side, please take a moment to subscribe. Also hit the notification bell. That way, any, any if, if any clips come up for shorts or for the Friday night happy hour, which occurs on 730 on Friday nights, you'll be notified of that too. And don't forget our social media channels on Twitter and Instagram at BellyUpNCR, Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR, and then finally YouTube, just search No Credentials Required. Before I get to this week's interview with Jason Romano, I just want to remind you about, about one of our sponsors here at Godzilla Media, that's Johnstone Supply. Fall is officially here, and that means changes may be coming to your home. Does your furnace need to be replaced, or are you looking for an upgrade for your heating system? Johnstown Supply and Troy can make sure your home is heated properly for the colder weather on the way because nobody wants a busted furnace. A family-owned and operated business, Johnstone Supply in Troy, has been helping upstate New York residents for decades. Visit their store on 6th Avenue in Troy for more information on how they can help you this fall. Whether it's finding the proper change for your filters or making sure your home is heated properly for the new weather, Johnstone Supply in Troy's staff can help you answer any questions you may have. From George to Tom and many more, the staff is looking forward to seeing you. Follow them on Facebook or call them today at 518-272-272. 5922. You can also do a Google search for Johnstone Supply. Johnstone Supply in Troy. I also want to remind you about our giveaway on Godzilla Media with Paisan's Pizza. Football season is here and nothing goes better with football than pizza. This week, no credentials required in conjunction with Godzilla Media. We'll be giving away a gift card from Paisan's Pizza. Here are the rules. Follow our accounts on either Twitter and or Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate and or review. Take a screen capture of the review. Tag both No Credentials Required and Pisons Pizza, and you're automatically entered to win a gift card. Whether it's college football on Saturday or big games in the NFL on Sunday, Pisons is your go-to spot for the best pizza in New York. If you live outside of the Mighty 518, that's all right. You can still order their amazing frozen pizza on goldbelly.com. To learn more about Pisons Pizza, visit their website, 
www.pythonspizza.com or listen to their interview on one of the most recent episodes of Getting There with Gaz. The entry cutoff is September 17th, so enter now. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jason Romano of Sports Spectrum. My special guest is Jason Romano, and Jason Romano is actually a Capital Region native. He's he's native to the Mighty 518, and he started his radio journey at WGY in Albany, New York, moved on to bigger and better things at ESPN, and then one day decided to leave, and now he's the host of the Sports Spectrum podcast. So I'll bring in my guest. Uh, sometimes we like to call him, we'll call him the emperor. So emperor Romano, how are we doing today? My friend. <laughs> hey Ryan, what's up buddy? Thanks for having Not me. Much. So explain. So I, I jokingly called you the emperor. Ex- explain that name for our audience. If you will, if you wouldn't mind. Well, that, that, that has to jog the memory a little bit for me because the emperor, <laughs> uh, was let, let's put it this way. When I was in college, uh, I grew up in Albany, actually in Ravina, and, uh, you know, when I went to college, my first two years, I went out to Syracuse area and it was a community college, Cayuga Community College mm-hmm. in Auburn, New York. And it's about three hours west, two and a half hours west of Albany. And when I got there on day two, I got onto the uh, college radio station. And that was <laughs> my desire when I got there at 18 years old. I said, I am mm-hmm. here in college to learn about broadcasting. This mm-hmm. is what I want to do. This is what I want to go into. So the first day, second day, I went to the radio station and I said, how can I become a DJ? Which was mm-hmm. like the big thing back then. Even talk radio yeah. was still very new in the early 90s. Yeah. So I was like, can I be a DJ? And they were like, yes, you have to take this class and learn a couple things, but we can have you on the radio within a week. Mm-hmm. So at 18 years old, I go on the radio. And of course, you know, people on the radio back then, maybe a little bit now too, but you had to come up with some cool moniker, some cool nickname yeah. for yourself when you're on the radio. It can't just be like, here's Jason Romano and the Jason Romano show. Like, I was like, no way. I want to be called <laughs> something. And I'm a Star Wars fan through and through from the time I was six years old. I still am Excellent. today. Love Excellent. Star Wars. And I don't know why, but the Emperor, which really made his debut in Return of the Jedi, in my mind, mm-hmm. I thought that's just a cool radio name. So let's yeah. do the Emperor's Throne. That's what we'll call the radio <laughs> show. And I'll be the host, the emperor, never giving my name away. And That's I would funny. just play like 80s and 90s hard rock music for three hours. And it, it was terrible. I probably have a a cassette somewhere in this house of those times, <laughs> an air check. But the emperor was was born back in the fall of 1991. It went away pretty quickly, <laughs> we'll just say, into 1992 and 93. Very quickly, the emperor uh, died off and we moved on. To <laughs> we moved on to different things. Let's just put it that way. Now, similar. Now, I got a question that just kind of bounced off of that. <laughs> similar to Emperor Palpatine's return in yes. the final Star Wars, uh, final Star Wars movie, the episode nine. Yeah. Would you ever consider make would the emperor consider ever consider making his return? To uh, a hard rock or 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 uh, a metal st- or, or like a, a classic rock station someday. I mean, if they called me and said we want to bring back the emperor, I would listen. <laughs> um, but I'm not like putting myself out there and saying I'm going to start a new show and I'm going to revisit the emperor. Um, you know, Star Wars is a different, a, a completely different level, and they probably approached you know Palpatine and said, "Hey, we want to have you back on." And, mm-hmm. and be in this movie nobody's doing that to me but if they want to <laughs> i'll put it out there sure i will make a guest appearance <laughs> as the emperor maybe on is pix 106 still a uh, station out there yeah they still do Albany. classic rock yeah. so let's do pix 106 at some point and the emperor <laughs> can make his return to the throne how's that <laughs> i think i think one i think i think one i think pix 106 and q104 are the only two classic rock stations still in the area so let's do it not, and maybe 99.5 the river i think that's still around and they play some older yeah yeah, they play some contemporary-ish, yeah, so. contemporary-ish music. We'll find a place for it. How's that? <laughs> we'll find we'll find a home for you, Jason. We'll That's we'll, right. we'll, we'll we'll see. <laughs> That's right. All right, so let's dig into this interview here. So so yeah. you mentioned that radio was something you always wanted to do. How did you and you and you mentioned that college radio was kind of the gateway into it but how did you really begin your broadcast broadcast career uh, was it something you had to do with uh did you do promotions did you do uh producing produce production uh, what kind of jobs did you do when you first started in radio 
So early on, yeah. So I, as a kid, I, I loved sports. So sports was my life. And when I got to the age of 16, 17 and realized that I wasn't going to be a professional athlete, the next mm -hmm. best thing was to be in broadcasting. So that's where the idea of wanting to be a broadcaster, wanting to go into media, into journalism, into radio and television, that's where the idea really came from. And so I picked the college, as I said, Cayuga Community College to start, mm -hmm. and they had a great broadcasting program. In fact, it was the best two-year broadcasting program in the state of New York, which is why I oh, went wow. there. And when I got there, I get I cut my teeth and did radio. I did some television. I did a lot of editing, uh, a lot of producing, but also a lot of hosting. So when I got out, I was like, all right, what am I going to do here? I want to find a job. And my first job was at Toys R Us, which had nothing to do with <laughs> broadcasting. Uh, right there, right there, the old Toys R Us on Wolf Road in Albany was where I had my yep. first job out of my two-year degree. But I realized a couple of years later that my two-year degree wasn't enough. I was 19 when I graduated, so I was super young. So I went back to college and I went to New Paltz, State University of New York at New Paltz, mm -hmm. um, which is about an hour south of Albany. And they had a great broadcasting program as well. And it was there when I realized, okay, this is what I want to do for the for a career for the rest of my life, if it was possible. And out of that is when I did a post grad internship at WGY. Mm -hmm. That's how I really got my foot in the door for a professional broadcasting job. And it's funny, even in that post grad internship, you know, I was working at a hospital part time, I was working at this marketing reports place in Kinderhook, New York, full-time just to have a job, but it was really that one or two days that I could spend at WGY in the summer of 1997 that mm. really helped me learn about the business and how to do radio. And it's really there where I realized that I could be a producer. Uh, as much as I wanted to be on air, I was at a radio station that had, I think it was celebrating its 75th anniversary that year in 1997. Yeah. The oldest radio station in New York State, I believe, and maybe uh, one of the oldest radio stations in the country, mm -hmm. and they had legends on the air during that time, especially a guy named Don Weeks, who yep. has since passed, and I got to work with Don. Mm -hmm. But those guys are legends. So I realized I wasn't going to be on air much, so let's go to be <laughs> a producer. And I found that I was pretty good as a producer, and I mm -hmm. kind of caught on quickly and knew how to edit and knew kind of what sounded good on the air and had a knack for being able to book guests and all these little skills that you need to be a good producer. Um, mm -hmm. Learned pretty quickly how to say no, uh, which is a important trait to have as a producer. You got to be able to tell people no, um, not in a mean way, obviously, but you got to know what's best for your show. And so that's how I got my first job right out of that post-grad internship at the end of 19 or the fall of 1997. Uh, they had a full-time producer job that opened up. And I applied for it. And because I had been there the three or four months prior as an intern, um, they saw my skills and my potential and they hired me. I got to tell you, though, the job was basically it was a salary job with no hourly overtime or anything like that. And it paid fifteen thousand dollars for a year as a salary position. That's one that's like five. 40, that's, like, that's like 40 grand in like these days. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, 30 or 40 Maybe grand. That. I mean, yeah. it, it might not even be that. It was six or seven dollars an hour, Ryan. Oof. But I, I honestly did not care. They could have given mm -hmm. me a dollar an hour and I would have just been the happiest person in the world because I had a full time job working in this profession that I wanted to be in so badly. And so at 24 years old, I, I really started my career 23, 24 with that first full-time job. And I loved it. I mean, I really did. I worked at WGY for three years. And to this day, still, those three years, especially the two years I worked with Don Weeks in the morning, were easily my the most fun I've ever had in this business. Because, it, you know, you're young and you're dumb and you're just, it's local and you can try a bunch of things and gimmicks and have some fun. And you're kind of a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Uh, in Albany as a producer and working with a guy like Don Weeks and everybody listened to Uncle Don. So it was so much fun for me to kind of break into this business working for a guy like that. Now, as, as broadcasters or podcasters, uh, we often talk about those who came before us. But which which, which broadcasters inspired you to be to want to become one yourself? Uh, for myself at my my. Um, 
I, I've always wanted to go into play-by-play. I wanted to do that after graduating from college, unfortunately. With uh, After graduating from college, COVID kind of hit and uh, yeah. wasn't able to really do anything full-time. I'm doing the best why I'm doing the podcast thing right now. But I <clears throat> I really like Mike and Mike. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was my morning drive going into to work every day. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as for play-by-play, Mike Emmerich was the big th- is a big is a big thing for me. I'm a big hockey fan, so I yeah. love Mike Emmerich and his. I loved his style. Dick Enberg, how, all those guys. Like, who were you? Who were your uh, big uh, influences or big big heroes to look up to in a broadcasting when you were when you when when you were when you were similar age, like in like, you're 10, 11, 12 years old. Yeah, it's when when I was younger, I didn't really have my heroes were the athletes more than the broadcasters, mm-hmm. um, but. You know, I remember in my high school yearbook, you know, you have like your name and it kind of gives your ambition and your favorite quote and kind of the sports that you were involved with or the clubs that you were involved with in my senior year. And it said, what is your goal or ambition? And I said, to become the greatest sports announcer since Howard Cosell. Like <laughs> that was what I wrote in, I guess it would have been the fall of 1990, 31 years ago. And, you know, Howard Cosell really hit his peak in the 70s, I think, but in the early to mid 80s as a kid, kind of influential watching Monday Night Football, watching Why World of Sports, uh, even watching baseball. Howard Cosell did a lot of baseball in the 70s and 80s, and yep. he was the guy. Uh, he had all access to people like Muhammad Ali. He was the voice for so many. And for me, that was the guy I thought, I would love to do what he's doing someday. Now, Mm -hmm. was he a hero? I don't know about a hero, but he was a guy that I thought was the top of his craft and somebody I wanted to emulate and and maybe follow in his footsteps. But thinking back, I mean, it was really not until the 90s when SportsCenter became really popular on ESPN and I started watching Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann and -hmm. Chris Berman certainly on Sunday NFL Countdown and Sunday NFL Primetime. Like That was my show Mm -hmm. uh, as a 19, 20, 21-year-old. So those were the guys as I got older that I really took a liking to and said, man, what would it be like to work? When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. You can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. In a job like they're working in, uh, whether mm-hmm. a producer that could produce their show or whether I could actually be the on-air person, I really thought those guys were great. Of course, I remember... Dick Emberg and Merlin Olson and Pat Summerall and John Madden as a big football guy. Certainly yep. watching you know, Bob Costas call baseball games in the 80s and in early 90s. And I watched all sports, basketball. All you got to do is turn, you know, turn, you know, search Google in the 1980s NBA finals, and you got Dick Stockton and and Tommy Heinsohn or Billy Cunningham and watching, you know, those 1980s finals games with the Celtics and the Lakers. So I watched a ton of sports where I got to know the broadcasters really well in terms of watching them on TV. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. classify them as heroes. It really wasn't until I started getting into college in the 90s and realizing this is uh, you know, something I want to do for a living and, and a desire to follow along with. And so then that's where ESPN kind of entered the picture for me as people I would love to emulate and kind of work with someday. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of ESPN, we've got a nice little, uh, nice little segue into that. <laughs> right. uh, so after uh, you're working at WGY, you, you, you make the, after that, you make the jump to ESPN. What shows did you primarily work with and what were your primary duties while working at ESPN? Yeah, I got there in 2000. So about 21 years ago, uh, summer of 2000. And when I was there, uh, the very first show I ever worked on was Mike and Mike in the morning. Uh, okay. That show had only been around for 
six years or I'm sorry, six months at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was brand new. And, you know, I didn't know who Mike Greenberg was, if I'm being honest. I knew who Golick <laughs> was because he played in the NFL. Uh, mm -hmm. So he was on the Eagles for many years. So I remember watching him play with the Eagles against the Cowboys. I'm a big Dallas Cowboys fan. So when I got to ESPN, uh, it was really day three of my tenure at ESPN when an opening a position opened up on Mike and Mike to kind of be their booker, their show booker. And uh, I had done a lot of booking at WGY. So Len Weiner, the PD for ESPN Radio, program director, said, Jason, you want to take a crack at this new position? Uh, and I said, yeah, let's go for it. And so that's how I ended up on Mike and Mike very early in my career, very early in their tenure. And I did that for about a year. It wasn't a long time that I was working on their show. Now, if I had a vision of seeing where Mike and Mike was going to end up, I probably would have never asked off that show, but I actually did that. In 2001, yeah. I said, uh, you know, I was hired as a producer, not as a booker. So I said, is there an opportunity to produce my own show? And they said, yeah, we have the evening show available, the 7 to 11, Monday through Friday, game night ESPN radio show. And it was a national show. Um, it was a show just like the title aptly says. It was game night. So we were covering all the games that were going on every mm -hmm. single night in the different world of sports. So it was less of a talk show, even though there was talking. Uh, and it was more of a, of a highlight, update type of show with some guests sprinkled in here and there. It's kind of uh, like – sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, interrupt no, you, but no, it's kind of yeah. like, like Sports Center, but on radio. Yeah, it was in like a an way. evening Sports Center show, basically. Okay. You know, where, where yep. it's like the 11 o'clock Sports Center would show the highlights of the games throughout the day. Yep. The 6 o'clock Sports Center would preview the games and have more guests and more – analyst and, and things like that. So yeah, it was like a sports center type. You know, we actually had sports center anchors who were doing sports center on TV that night would always come over and do our show to preview sports center. So Rich mm -hmm. Eisen and Stuart Scott and Dan Patrick and all of these big names would come right through and come on our show to preview sports center for that night. So mm -hmm. that was my first two gigs at ESPN and I loved it. I loved radio. I tell people radio is really my baby. That's my first love, yeah. my first passion. Uh, I love that I get to be in podcasting now because it's very similar to radio uh, with a little bit more freedom, but radio was where I cut my teeth. It's what I really loved. Um, I ended up working in television for many years as well, but radio mm -hmm. was what I really, really loved coming out of college working at WGY, and then my first three-plus years uh, at ESPN was working at their radio network. So that's that's the early jobs. I was a producer. I was – when you're producing a show, you know, a, a national show at night, you know, you're booking guests. You're, you know, sitting in the chair and kind of directing the show. You're mm -hmm. cutting uh, clips to run. You're really doing it all. I have one associate producer that worked with me. I also worked on a, a side project called Game Nights Legends, which was uh, the legends on ESPN Radio, where our host on Game Night would interview a legend in the in the sports world, and I would edit that and work on that show. So I got to do a lot oh, wow. of cool things and, and mm -hmm. talk to and meet a lot of different people, and I love those early years. Those were a lot of fun. Now, while you're at ESPN, you, did, did, were you starting to feel the call of something something? Out, more outside yourself. Uh, uh, we're both, we're both, we're both, uh, we're both Christians. We're both faith-based people. Yeah. How did you meet people? For, how, did you, how did you meet the the folks at Sports Spectrum? And did, after meeting them, did you kind of sense a call to to leave ESPN and 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 go over to Sports Spectrum? What was that like? Yeah, it's a great question in terms of the word call. Uh, I think that's really what it was too. But I didn't know it at the time. Um, mm -hmm. I got I got ESPN. I got there in 2000. Um, I didn't even know about Sports Spectrum or really uh, even understand what they were about, much less meeting the people there until 2013, I think. And then in mm -hmm. 2015 uh, is when I connected with my current boss, Steve, and, and he and I connected over Twitter. And this was a time 15 years into my career at ESPN where I was kind of thinking, all right, what's next? Where am yeah. I going? Uh, am I going to be at ESPN forever? Uh, is this a kind of place where I would uh, want to kind of retire for the rest of my life? And my faith is really important to me. And at that point, it was beginning to, you know, come a stage in my life where I was a little, I was over 40, I just hit 40 years old. And I was thinking, all right, what do I want to do? Where am I going to go? 
would I ever even entertain the idea of leaving ESPN, much less leaving ESPN for the work I'm doing now. And if I had talked to you in 2015, I would have said maybe, but I doubt it. You know, I'm not going to probably leave ESPN. This is the, probably the place where I would be. But then I got invited to this conference where Sports Spectrum's bosses were at, and I got to meet and sit down with them. This is in December of 2015, mm-hmm. and I got to see the intersection of sports and faith. Mm-hmm. which I use as a term all the time now. But back then, that was very new, but very appealing to me because those were two very important things in my life and two things I was very passionate about. Certainly my faith in Jesus first, but then sports. It's all I had been around for forever uh, since I was a little kid and certainly as a ESPN employee for 15 years. So when I yep. saw that there was a place that you could live out both of those worlds i i was very intrigued we'll just say i don't know if i was interested in leaving just yet but very intrigued Mm -hmm. Um, and i really didn't have a specific job that was offered to me with sports spectrum until the fall of 2016 and at that time i was having my my favorite year ever at espn working on mike and mike in the morning and that was like a kind of full circle. I was back on Mike and Mike after so yeah. many years. And mm-hmm. by that time, they were a you know well-oiled machine known by everybody. And a lot of people listened to their show, a lot of people. So mm-hmm. just being on that show kind of raised my, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, cachet, I guess, in terms of being able to tell people that I was working not only at ESPN, but working on a show like Mike and Mike. Right. But then I got this opportunity. I got this call. Uh, from my boss who said, hey, we just acquired Sports Spectrum and we were thinking about you as somebody we might want to bring along and and have be a part of this. Hmm. And so I flew down to Orlando to meet with my boss, Steve, in the winter. Well, I guess it would have been December of 2016, so a year later. Mm-hmm. And that was where we sat down and I really felt God was saying, this is where you need to go. Like, I'm opening up a door for you here, Jason, to not only continue to do sports, but to do it for a greater purpose, for my purpose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never heard any kind of audible voice from God. I don't, don't, I'm not saying I don't believe that, but that's never happened to me. Right. Uh, It might have happened to other people, but it's never happened to me. It's usually this sort of uh, nudge in your spirit, this sort of gut feeling, if you will. And Mm -hmm. I just felt like this was the time, if I was ever going to take this leap and follow this call, as you said, it was going to be you know, at this time. And it was a lot of wrestling and prayer and yeah. <laughs> talking to my wife and figuring out, is this the time? Is this the right thing to do? Uh, is this the place to really go? Uh, you know, cause I lived in Bristol, Connecticut. I still live in Bristol, Connecticut, right down the road from ESPN. And I knew I wasn't going to be moving anywhere anytime soon because, you know, the job that I was taking with sports spectrum was a remote position from my house I would travel to Denver, Colorado, where their offices are every so often, but I knew I wasn't moving. I couldn't move because of a daughter that I have in school. My mm-hmm. wife didn't want to move, so we weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of just figuring out, is this the right thing to do? And I think when I look back now, I'm glad we were trying to figure that stuff out, but we really had no idea if this was going to work. Um, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, you know, they say, oh, you knew it was your calling. You knew it was God's plan for you to leave and go to Sports Spectrum. And I'm like, I, I thought I did, but I really wasn't 100% sure. <laughs> it doesn't really, always work out that way. <laughs> and, and, but here's the thing, Ryan, that I knew. I said, mm-hmm. if this is from God, it'll it'll see itself through in, in God's timing in, in, in the right way. Mm-hmm. If it's from Jason, it'll probably fall flat on my face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it will. And, and the door will shut and... You know, I'll probably end up back at ESPN and this whole thing would have been a mistake. And that's kind of how I was uh, going into all this and making this decision was, all right, I believe this is the right thing to do. If it's not, it'll fall flat and that'll be clear, uh, a clear sign from God that this wasn't the right move to make. But Mm -hmm. it's four and a half years, almost five years later now, and it's clearly been all God and all of his doing and, and the right move, I guess, because of the doors that have opened up since leaving ESPN, which would have sound crazy if you'd have told me this 10 years ago, because I would have said the door that's opened up is ESPN. 
Mm-hmm. And now I see that the doors that were meant to open up were for me to leave ESPN and for these next uh, unbelievable blessings to come my way by leaving the worldwide leader and and now writing two books and working on sports spectrum and kind of leading this media team and growing this the last four or five years. And we still have so much work to do and so much growth that I believe we can achieve, but we're doing it for God now and trying to proclaim his name through the work that we do in sports. And to me, that gives me uh, as much joy and satisfaction as in fact, more joy and satisfaction than anything that I ever did or accomplished in my career prior to arriving at sports spectrum. Now, funny thing, you mentioned the two books because that's my next question. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I mean, I you just you you've written two books since you, since you started your time at Sports Spectrum. Uh, yeah. The first one being "Live to Forgive," and the other one being "Unif," which is newer, uh, more recent, uh, "Uniform of Leadership." Yes. What was the drive for you to write these books? Yeah, uh, great question because I couldn't tell you the answer. Uh, you know, if you if I had told you six years ago that I would write two books in the next five years, I would have, you know, I hope somebody would have slapped me upside the head because that's just the most <laughs> ridiculous thing that I could have ever said. I have zero desire to write, write mm-hmm. books. I, 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 I never wanted to do that. I mean, it, it always sounded cool, right? Hey, I could write a book and put my name on it. But the yeah. work to write a book is so, it's so heavy, intensive that I just thought, no way would I ever, and what would I write about? Like that's, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if I were to ever write a book, you know, thinking back 10 years ago, I, it would almost be like a collaboration with someone about something I'm passionate about, like my sports teams or, um, you know, athletes, specific athletes that I was a big fan of, or the Super Bowl, which I have always had a, 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 an asphyxiation for since I was little. And so I would collaborate with somebody to write a book about that. But even then mm-hmm. I didn't have a desire to write. I was a producer. I was a a guy who liked to do audio and video, and that was my thing, content creation. Mm-hmm. But now that I look back at it, uh, you know, writing a book is content creation. You know, you're creating content for people to yeah. read and consume. Yeah. Uh, and the first book that I wrote, Live to Forgive, like that was the last topic I ever thought I would write a book on, much less have it be my first book. But I have this journey with my dad and this relationship I had with him for many years that was broken, that was Mm -hmm. uh, just torn apart in many ways because of my dad's alcoholism and, you know, things that festered from that. Uh, He could not stop drinking for many, many, many years. And I had all these stories that I had kind of, you know, put up in a box and stored in the attic and kind of left up there, never really wanted to pull back out. And, Mm -hmm. uh, in 2015, for the first time in my life, I was asked by my church to speak and to share a message, whatever I wanted to share on. And mm-hmm. as I prayed about it and thought about it, and I was so nervous speaking from the pulpit of a church on a Sunday morning, like that's like the biggest responsibility I've ever had is yeah. sharing God's message, you know, at the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And I chose the topic of forgiveness and the idea of speaking on a topic like that interest me because I had started to tell a few people about my story, about my dad's story, my relationship with my dad. And I just had heard a few people kind of take an interest in it or relate to it because they had a broken relationship with their parent, dad, brother, sister, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I shared on that topic that day. And most of it was my story sharing about my dad, but a lot of it was also from what the Bible says and what God says about forgiveness and why forgiveness can be really freeing for so many of us and lead to true freedom to allow us not to stay in this place of bitterness and anger. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So I shared that message and I had probably a dozen people come up to me after and just say, thank you for sharing that message. You just shared my story. Hmm. And it kind of blew me away that there's a lot of people out there who either have gone through what I've gone through or are still struggling, as I did for many years, with forgiveness, with forgiving someone who hurts you, forgiving someone hmm. that you love that hurts you. And a friend of mine who's a pastor out in California heard me message share this message and he called me and he had written a couple books previously and he said Jason uh, you have a pretty good platform on social media you're on Mike and Mike in the morning right now at ESPN you should write a book and write it about this because it can help a lot of people yeah and I kind of laughed at him his name was Caleb I said <laughs> Caleb why would I ever write a book like that's not what I do I don't mm -hmm. even know how that works how do you even write a book I mean yeah you could say you just start writing but there's got to be, there's a process and ways that people can get their book published that I had no idea about. So he connected me with his literary agent and I got to connecting with a, a friend of mine who's a co-author and now mm -hmm. my co-author of my two books, Steve Copeland. And uh, the next thing you know, this is the long story short part, but the next thing you know, in <laughs> September, this is literally three months later, mm -hmm. uh, I signed a contract and we're writing Live to Forgive. And the cool thing about Live to Forgive that I love, it's still the book I'm most proud of for two reasons. Number one, mm -hmm. uh, that's the book that I think people will pick up in 10 or 20 years and still find it really relatable to their lives. Like everybody struggles with forgiveness and that's a thing that's yep. not going away. So I believe that book, even to this day, five almost five years later, I guess four years later, is still a book that if people read it today, I think it can really help them. I'm passionate about it. I want more people to read this book than have already. Uh, yeah. And I want to continue to talk about that book. I love my most recent book too, but the forgiveness book is, is sort of a life transformation that can take place, I believe, when you enter into a place of forgiveness. So I'm most proud because of the story, but I'm also proud because I kind of had to raise some funds and some money for this book in a way... Mm -hmm like a missions trip, if you're in the church place or a nonprofit, you're consistently raising funds, raising money. Yep. Um, As someone who's been on a missions trip, I, I know. Right. The on a missions trip, <laughs> a nonprofit, you, you kind of yeah. reach out to your friends and your family and you say, hey, would you partner with me? And I had mm -hmm. to do that with that first book. And man, I reached out to everybody I knew, both in the sports world, uh, people of, you know, very large influence, people who were athletes, current football, baseball, basketball players. I reached out to everybody I knew, family, friends, and I just said, hey, I really feel this book is an important book. I'm going to write it. Uh, I, can, I know it can help a lot of people. Would you consider praying and would you consider partnering? And mm -hmm. I needed to raise $15,000 to get this book oh, published. Wow. And I did it in a week. And I, I say I did it. Wow. I didn't do anything. All I did was make the no. ask. But <laughs> yeah. all of these amazing people came through and said, I'll give you this amount. I will give you this amount. And mm -hmm. uh, it was incredible to watch, like, just in a week's time, how I was able. I, I did, like, a GoFundMe page where people could just donate mm -hmm. right there. And yep. it raised almost all the money very, very wow. quickly. And so, to me, that was another sign that God was in this because – if that wasn't going to happen, I was completely fine with not writing a book. But I was mm -hmm. like, God, if you want me to write this, like this has to be made on your timing and with mm -hmm. your will, not with mine, because I don't want to do this. And it's funny, I got to uh, one last phone call, and I haven't, I haven't told this story much to anybody, but I had a good relationship with a guy named Brandon Marshall, who was a wide receiver in the NFL. And Brandon mm -hmm. and I have met at ESPN and I hope he doesn't mind me telling him that, telling the story now that we're about five years later, but I've never mm -hmm. told it before. As I put this book together and I was reaching out to different people, I reached out to Brandon and I said, Brandon, hey, I, I know we know each other from ESPN. And, you know, he once called me ESPN's pastor because I was so open about my faith at ESPN, yeah. which I thought was an amazing 
uh, compliment, but mm-hmm. we kind of clicked and had a good relationship. And I just said, Hey, I'm writing this book on forgiveness. It's really important to me. I just wondering if you would pray. And, and if you're willing, here's the link. Maybe you could consider donating. And I didn't know what that meant or what he would do. And he looked at it and he said, Jason, here's what I'll do. If you get to the first $12,500, I will take on the last $2,500 for you when you get to $15,000, but you have to raise it up to $12,500. If you do that, text me back and I'll make sure I take care of you. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, a little pressure there, but what <laughs> yeah. an amazing thing to say. And mm-hmm. so we got to $12,500, uh, you know, like, I don't know, in a six or seven day span. And I texted him back. I go, Brandon, uh, we're almost there, buddy. I said, uh, we hit 12,500. I said, no pressure at all. If you can't do this, I completely understand. And about a day or two later pops up $2,500 from Brandon Marshall. Oh, wow. It got me over to the top to get that money raised to have this book published. So, um, I loved, I love thinking about that story. I don't tell it often because I'm sure Brandon doesn't want to have that put out there too often, Mm -hmm. but I think we're five years removed from that now where I can share that story and just point to how an amazing, how much of an amazing guy he is. Mm-hmm. But there were more Brandon Marshalls. There were probably a good 15 or 20 guys who really funded the majority of this book because they felt like my story was important to share. And uh, yeah, I ha- again, I haven't shared that often. But once that happened, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, God, you want me to write this? Let's go. And it took about another year and a half from 2016 till January of 2018 until the book came out. And, you know, once that book came out, I was just overwhelmed with um, the fact that there's a book behind me that says live to forgive with my name on it. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, that's, that's a pretty cool story. I, I, yeah, I, I, I knew of you. I've, I've listened to your, I've listened to sports spectrum before and, yeah. um, and and I that's a pretty that's an that's an awesome story. I, and nobody and knows that. I mean, you might yeah. you read the back of the book, it'll say um, thanks to Brandon Marshall and a bunch of other names. Uh, I thank them, and I just said with, this book would not have happened without you. But I didn't call them out on terms of how much they gave or anything like that because I just mm-hmm. felt like that was private. But the Brandon part was really what put it over the top, and I just thought that told me everything I needed to know about the goodness of this dude. And I thanked him many times since I've seen him. And now I just love what he's doing post NFL career. He's in the broadcasting world. He's got a really great show and podcast and he's just doing amazing things. And he was a pretty good receiver too. Um, yeah. He's, he's he played for my New York Jets. I know. So, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. borderline hall of famer with his career with the bears and with the Broncos and the jets. So he was a really great receiver for him to do that for me. Who am I? I'm just a dude, but yeah. he, uh, but he helped out and it was just, it, it was something I'll always be in debt for, for him. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the podcast side, uh, you, you've done this podcast for, for, for quite a few years now. Yeah. Uh, what's the future of, of sports spectrum? Where are you going to split? Are you going to have different other different podcasts rather than just the primary sports spectrum? Or are you going to have, what's, what's the, what's the future right now? Do you, do you know uh, uh, that you can tell, yeah. <laughs> that you can tell, can tell the audience what we of, do uh, and how we've evolved. I mean, when we first started yeah. this, four and a half years ago, uh, you know, when I was asked to come on board, you know, we had a magazine, a website and one podcast mm-hmm. and the podcast was where I got most excited. The magazine and the website have been around for years. And I knew that those were sort sort of staples with sports spectrum and they would continue to be staples and they still are to this day. Mm-hmm. The podcast was something that was new. It was unique. It was an opportunity to interview and talk to people about Jesus and sports. And I started that and, um, really just, worked on it all by myself. And I still, for the most part, work on that podcast by myself. We don't have mm-hmm. a team of people that work on Sports Spectrum's main podcast. It's just me. Uh, but I love it. It's probably my baby and something I'm, I'm probably most proud of. And it, we've had almost 3 million downloads in the last four years. And um, it's really reached a pretty cool audience that I've just kind of been blown away by and thinking that this many people would listen. But now I've realized there are a ton of people whose faith is important to them, who love sports. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I believe the future is still, it's yet to be written, but the ceiling is really high. Like there's a lot of room to go here, go upward with sports spectrum. But it was a couple of years ago where I thought about, okay, what what else are, can we do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to grow this thing. And so a couple of things have happened. First, we developed and, and created a sports spectrum podcast network, which is out there now. 
Uh, we have five shows, um, four that are currently active on the Sports Spectrum Network, podcast network, and we're going to increase those. My goals in 2022 were to add two, three, four, five shows if possible, uh, oh, wow. depending on who the guests are and who the people are that we want to have these show, do these shows. But that's my hope um, mm -hmm. is to launch more shows, certainly that are more unique, um, that are different. You know, the four shows that we have now, one is a a team chaplain podcast. One is a podcast hosted by a, a former major league baseball player, Scott Linebrink about serving and giving back. Another mm -hmm. one is also hosted by a former major league baseball player, Matt holiday and his wife, Leslie. And it's mm -hmm. more of a marriage type of podcast. And then there's the one that I do. Um, so that's growing and I'm really excited about that. But now we're into this world of weekly shows and I, I something yep. we had kind of dabbled with last year, and we're doing it in 2021 that's brand new. We created this new show called Sports Spectrum's Weekly Slant. And it is mm -hmm. a weekly football show that's out there. Okay. It launched September uh, 8th last week as we record this. Uh, and it's it's a football show. So it's football and faith. It's not anything mm -hmm. else but football for 20 straight weeks all the way up until the end of January leading up to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a big undertaking. Because I'm the one producing yeah. it, and I'm the one hosting it <laughs> along with two other hosts. And it is a lot of work, but we're a small ministry. We don't have the resources to hire 17, 18, 20 people right now. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of just put your head down to the, you know, and, and, and grind and do this. But I'm really excited for this football show um, because it's a show that's unique and different, and it's nothing like it out there. There are a mm -hmm. ton of football shows out there, as you know. Yes, yeah. There are a ton of shows about faith out mm -hmm. there. There aren't any football shows that I could find, and I did my research, that are exclusively football and faith. Mm -hmm. So this is a one-of-a-kind show that we launched. It's a video show, so it streams on Facebook and YouTube, and as well as our website, sportspectrum.com. But it's mm -hmm. a unique show, and uh, I'm really excited to see where this goes. You know, our first two guests were... Clyde Christensen, who's the quarterback coach for the Buccaneers, Tom Brady's quarterback coach. And yeah. this week, we're going to have Jim Kelly, Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback. With hey. the so we All got right. two quarterbacks, or two people right away who, who are well-known. And I'm really excited because we got 18 more shows after this to do um, <laughs> where this goes. And I don't know who the guests are going to be, but mm -hmm. it's every week and there's sort of an urgency to it. Uh, I'm just really pumped that we're trying new things and uh, hopefully the audience likes it. And if the audience likes it, that opens up opportunities for partnerships and sponsorships, which is how you grow a business. And I'm mm -hmm. hoping that we're able to do that. Um, but really my ultimate hope is that people hear uh, about the faith side of what these athletes and coaches are about. And uh, maybe it interests them a little bit to want to go and learn a little bit more about faith as well. Um, because I think that when it comes down to it, that's the most important thing in my life and the most important thing that Sports Spectrum's about. And what we want to mm -hmm. do is point people to Jesus and to check them out and see if this is for them, because I believe it is for everyone. And mm -hmm. if we can use football as a way to do that, uh, let's go. And so that's what we've been doing. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, now I've, I've asked other broadcasters and podcasters I've had on, on, on this uh, podcast, this question, and I feel it's applicable to you because you've been in the broadcast business for, for quite a while. Yeah. Whether you're a kid in high school who's just starting a podcast or you're an older guy like me, I'm in my mid forties, right? I'm in my mid forties now, yeah. uh, who wants to make this kind of a full-time thing or kind of explore the broadcasting as a career. What's your best advice for, for those, for those people? Well, if you're passionate about it, um, you'll do it even if you don't get paid. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I always think about this too. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't end up in broadcasting, um, probably would have ended up working at Toys R Us for many more years. Who knows? <laughs> but I, I was always passionate about this. So I just pursued the passion. Uh, right. But you also have to be good at it. I tell people in high school and college and even, you know, out of college or even somebody like yourself, mm -hmm. you can have the passion all you want to work in media or work in broadcasting, but you got to find what you're good at. Early on, when I got into this business, I found my my talent was in producing. My mm -hmm. passion was in radio and broadcasting and, and certainly sports, but my talent was producing. 
And I had to go through some rough stretches of being turned down for being on air. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to be on air. I wanted to be a, you know, a DJ. I wanted to be a talk show host, whatever. And I really quickly realized that people were, weren't giving me that opportunity. So maybe that wasn't my talent as much mm-hmm. as I loved it. But when I got out and I started producing and I said, oh, I like this too. And I'm pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to find your sweet spot, which to me, the sweet spot is where your passion and your talent intersect. And that sweet spot can change over the years. Certainly that mm-hmm. talent can be evolved and you can discover that you're actually not bad on the air, which happened to me when I was <laughs> going into this podcasting thing. It's a dream that I had since I was in college and now I was getting to live it out in my mid forties as well. So mm-hmm. I real, and I still don't know if I'm any good on air, but I, I know that I'm much better than I was when I was 22. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I learned a lot from a lot of different people in the business. So that helped me working at ESPN, of course, but where's your passion and then where's your talent? Because I think too many people have passion projects, but they're not kind of figuring out what that talent is like everybody thinks they can host a podcast because they can right they can just go on their computer buy a microphone and you're a podcast host but when you really if you want to really dig down deep and analyze or have somebody else analyze you might not be good at that you know and that's what i say there are a lot of podcasts but there are not a lot of good podcasts there's a Mm -hmm. lot of people hosting but there's not a lot of people who host and do it well ask good questions. Right. You've asked really good questions, Ryan. A lot of people don't. Oh, thank you. Um, they, they just, they just, I mean, they put their questions together and it's not always about the host. It should be about the guest. If it's mm-hmm. a Q and a type of podcast, but you still have to be able to keep the conversation flowing and to yep. ask good questions. So not everybody should be a podcast host, but if you have mm-hmm. a passion for podcasting, maybe you can do design. Maybe you can produce and edit. Maybe you can, those are all skills that you can learn, but you also have to be good at them. So yeah. I don't know if that's really helping with advice because everybody will say, well, how do I get a job? Well, sometimes I can't give you that answer on how you get a job, but there are more mm-hmm. opportunities today to work in media than there ever was when I came out of college. And certainly there are more ways to connect with people who work in the media than there ever was when I was coming out of college. The internet was just coming into its own when I graduated in 1997. 24 years later, all you have to do is go right to LinkedIn, find the person that hosts a podcast or hosts a show and reach out to them. Mm -hmm. Now they may not answer you, but most people who are willing to uh, reach out and most people who are being reached out to, I know I do this. I'm always honored that somebody would ask me for advice. Like, who am I? So Mm -hmm. if I have the time and I have to make sure that I protect my schedule properly. But if I have the time, I will always say yes to five, 10, 15 minutes to just offer up some advice or offer or answer any questions is more of the way I would prefer it mm-hmm. than offer up advice. Because I, I don't know if I what I just shared with you is advice. It's more about experience and what I've seen. And mm-hmm. hopefully you'll be able to take that with you as you move on in your journey and those that are listening, moving on in their journey. But I think having that mindset of being 16 or 17, which is what you first referred to. I mean, you're in this free world. You can try anything at that age, right? When you're our Mm -hmm. age, you're, you've kind of come to a place where if I wanted to start a brand new career right now, even if I had the passion for it, it would be hard because I'm at a different stage of life with a wife. I have a daughter, like I have to make money and still be able to provide for them. Thankfully, Mm -hmm. I found that when I was younger and I was able to do my passion and my my talent together and stay in this business for so long. But the younger people listening, and this doesn't pertain to you, Ryan, I guess, but maybe it does like (laughs) just try a bunch of things, right. And Mm -hmm. and figure, you know, take a job for, for free, take a job for five bucks an hour. I don't even know if they're allowed to pay you five bucks an hour today, (laughs) but my daughter makes 12 bucks an hour working at the ice cream place. So maybe that's what you would get paid. But Take a job and don't worry about the money, but just get experience and meet people and build up relationships with people. And usually from that, opportunities come. Usually. Doesn't always Mm -hmm. guarantee it, but you want to put yourself in the best position for an opportunity to happen. And when it does, you want to trounce on it. You want to take advantage of it and you want to run with it. And um, 
so yeah, that's that's the best answer I can give you. I don't I don't know if it's advice per se, but it's the best mm-hmm. answer I can give you. Okay, and I, I appreciate your I I do appreciate your answer and your honesty. I it's uh it's much appreciated. But I'm rooting for you, Ryan. Like your situation. Well, thank you, man. I I would love to see somebody like yourself in their 40s pursue this passion and get a career out of this, and in their 50s and 60s and 70s look back and be like, yeah, I'm so glad I made this pivot. Uh, in life to try and to try and pursue something that I was really passionate about. But it well, might funny, not it? be what you think it is, right? You might think right. it's this podcast and hosting a show. It mm-hmm. might be completely different in this. In, in, like for me, I never thought that the first time I would ever be on air hosting a show would be for a sports and faith podcast in 2017. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. like what? But so you just got to kind of have your options open and see what the Lord might do. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm, that's what I've been hoping and praying for because uh, I mentioned you before, prior to recording, before I uh, started this pod, start, went into podcasting, uh, I was I was a chaplain for yes. for ironically the Albany Devils, yeah, <laughs> for, for seven seasons and before now, that, right? I Albany go back River to Rats. the Albany River Rats. I don't know. Yeah, if you remember? I was that. actually yep, yep. I was actually I was there. I was their chaplain for the last two seasons. They were in town too. Okay, so, so the nineties, the yeah, the nineties yeah. for me, the Albany River Rats were it when I was living. They in were Albany, it, Yeah, we were going to the Pepsi Arena, which is what it was called then, the Times Union mm-hmm. Center, and I, I probably saw ten or eleven games a year in ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. Uh, you might have seen me walking around then too. I might have, I might have, but I loved it. And I was just going as a fan. That's where I I cut my teeth and and hockey and started to learn about what hockey was all about, you know, in my mid twenties. And then when I left to come to Connecticut, you know, I hadn't been back. And then I know they became the Albany devils and I don't even know, do they have a minor league team in Albany anymore? I don't think they do. Um, they, there's, uh, there's an ECHL team in Glens Falls, the Adirondack Thunder. They're yeah. the New Jersey Devils ECHL affiliate, and I guess okay. their AHL affiliate is now. They went, they relocated to Binghamton after Albany. Now they're in Utica. Utica, so yeah, which is where they were they before they went to Albany back in I think yep. ninety three or ninety four. <laughs> yep, ninety three. So. Yep, back in ninety three. Yeah, Full I circle. remember. Yeah. Full circle. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. All right. So I got one last question. It's a fun question, and okay. then we'll wrap things up. So, uh. For you know, in the podcast and broadcast world, we all have our dream guests, and <laughs> you know, I, I always like to ask. I was trying to start to ask this question to other podcasters as well. What, which one, one or two? If you could name one or two sports figures, dead or alive, mm. who would be your dream guests? All right, I like this. Um, the first <laughs> is an easy answer because I've never met this person, and he was my. He, along with Daryl Strawberry, were my sports heroes in the 80s as a kid, and that would be Larry Bird. Um, hmm. When I started playing basketball and liking basketball in probably like 83, 84, 85, you know, I was like 10, 11 years old, and I started playing in the backyard. And, you know, then I got decently good enough to make a seventh grade middle school team uh, <laughs> in Ravina. And then, you know, I played all through high school, too. And I love basketball. I love playing it. I love watching it. But Larry Bird was the guy. Like when mm-hmm. I realized that he was such a unique player, he was tall, he could rebound, he could shoot. He was the best passing forward I've ever seen. He still is. Yep. Um, he was a winner. He was a hustler. He was a guy who did everything he could to help his team. That was my guy. And my my dad, I credit my dad, even though, again, we had that broken relationship. I still credit my dad for kind of introducing me to the Celtics and introducing me to Larry Bird. It's where uh, I really took an asphyxiation for the number 33, which is his number. (laughs) And so I would love to interview Larry Bird. And I know he's, at least I don't think he's a man of faith. I haven't read much about his faith. He might Mm -hmm. be, but I would just love to pepper him with the questions that 16-year-old Jason would have peppered him with, right? Like, (laughs) what was it like to beat Magic in 84 and then lose to him in 85 and you know, what was it like to, you know, make a no-look pass in the middle of the game but make it look so easy? You know, just simple things mm-hmm. like that. Um, what was it like to have a whole entire city, you know, on your shoulders every year during the 80s when you were in Boston, right? And so there's it, all of these questions that I would have for Larry Bird. So he's probably the first. You said dead or alive. Um Babe Ruth would probably be probably be a really interesting person to talk to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm kind of 
fascinated with old time baseball and history in the twenties and thirties. And I love the eight men out movie on the black mm-hmm. Sox scandal of 1919. I read Babe Ruth's biography a year or two ago uh, that was written in the seventies by a guy named Robert Kramer, who was around Babe Ruth and covered mm-hmm. him when he was playing and, and up until his death in 1948. So I would love to talk to a guy like Babe Ruth or somebody from that early era of baseball and mm-hmm. just kind of see what it was like at that time. Um, you know, there's a great documentary or docu-series called just baseball. It was from Ken Burns. Ken Burns, yeah. Uh, and it came out in like 94, I think, or 93. And he did an eight-part series or a 10-part series, I think. And then he released two new episodes like in 2006 or something to update, yep. you know, all that had happened since he last did that documentary. But that to me is still the preeminent sports documentary that's out there. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of good ones out there, all of the 30 for 30s that ESPN has done. But Ken Burns' baseball to me is the best sports documentary series I've ever seen. And you watch how he describes what it was like in the 20s and 30s and the Great Depression and the onset mm-hmm. of baseball in New York and this larger-than-life figure named Babe Ruth coming and doing things like he would hit 55 home runs in a year and the next closest hit 20 Mm -hmm. hit 20. So he was doing things not only better than everybody else, but otherworldly. Like Mm -hmm. even today, the closest thing we have to that is like LeBron and Tom Brady and people are doing what LeBron and Tom Brady are doing. They're not doing it as often, but Mm -hmm. you know, LeBron will average a triple-double in a year or Brady would throw for 5,000 yards. Other quarterbacks have done that. Yes. Babe Ruth was hitting 55 homers and nobody else was even hitting <laughs> and no one's 25. Close. Yeah. So I would love to kind of dive deep into the world of Babe Ruth and all that was around his world, you know, in the 20s and 30s as he was becoming this icon. All right. And on that, before we let you go, Jason, thank you so much for taking some part of your day and being part of this podcast and for people who want to find you, people want to find sports spectrum. You you have free reign. Tell the people where, uh, tell the people where you're at in social media and tell, tell the people where uh, they can find sports spectrum. Yeah. The website is sportspectrum.com. That's the first place I tell people to go to because all of our content there is free. It's got videos. It's got articles, stories. It's got uh, all of our podcasts there. And it's got devotionals if you want to really go deeper into your faith each morning, Monday through Friday. So that's the best place to go to is the website. Um, Our magazine, you can order there as well. Uh, You can watch our weekly slant football show that I just told you about. So Mm -hmm. all of that is at our website, sportspectrum.com. That's, you know, also on social media. If you just search Sports Spectrum, you'll find it. And for me, my name, if you just search my name, you'll you'll find me on social media. I'm pretty active on Instagram and, and Twitter. And my website is jasonromano.com, which is just my name. But uh, yeah, love to hear from you. I hope you'll check out Sports Spectrum because that's, to me, that's what I'm most proud of. And that's what I, I, I want to point people to my books, of course, too. But I would rather people check out Sports Spectrum because the work that we're doing there, if you love sports you wanna, and you want to be encouraged by some of these athletes that maybe you're not even sure that they have these amazing stories to tell, um, that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do, to do. So check out sportspectrum.com. That's the best place. All right. Excellent. And we'll be back in just a brief moment. You're listening to No Credentials Required. What's going on, sports fans? This is Dan made of the MD's Fantasy Football Podcast, and I'm here to talk to you about Manscaped, where they want to let you know that the summer is here, but are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation performance package, which includes the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your dad bod or six-pack with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas, so join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for a hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today.
And that's going to do it for this week's edition of No Credentials Required. Again, I want to thank Jason Romano from Sports Spectrum for being such an awesome guest on this week's episode. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on any podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, YouTube, and Podchaser. Don't forget about our giveaway with Python's Pizza. Leave a review, post it on social media, tag both our account and Paisan's Pizza. You'll be entered to win a gift card. Our socials are at BellyUpNCR on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com forward slash BellyUpSportsNCR, and on YouTube, just do a YouTube search for No Credentials Required. On YouTube side, hit the subscribe button, then also hit the notification bell. That way you'll know when shorts and when the Friday happy hour is live. And again, thank you for listening to No Credentials Required. We are part of Belly Up Sports in association with Godzilla Media. If listening to Unhinged Radio, stay tuned for one of our podcasts associated with Belly Up Sports. And until next time, we'll see you around the Mighty 518. Music courtesy of Joseph McDade. Check him out on Supporters Music at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a Belly Up Sports Podcast Network production in association with Godzilla Media. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. <laughs>